chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, and chat about that for the next few minutes. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples came to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Then he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And in most versions it says, your will be done. So it starts in verse 1, one day Jesus was praying. It's easy to sort of gloss over those words because we sort of know if we've hung about in churches a while or read our Bible that that's the thing he was always doing. Jesus was a person of prayer. He was always rambling off and praying. It was a consistent habit and he's our example in that. I don't know if it's our consistent habit or if it's our occasional habit. I found a verse this week, I was talking about it in Redditch. Um, it says, pray always. And you think, flip, or something like that. You think, well, if it was pray when you're in trouble, well, that would be okay. If it was pray, pray reasonably regularly, that would sort of be a bit of a change. But pray always. Jesus was always praying. Spurgeon once said, uh, I, 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 I never pray for more than two minutes. He wasn't a great long prayer. But, but I rarely go more than two or three minutes without praying. He was, <laughs> was, was just someone who lived his life like that. One day Jesus was praying. We shouldn't be surprised at that because it was his consistent habit. Way back in chapter 2 of, of Luke is a pre-adolescent. You remember that story, how he went missing when his parents were, were doing their, their, their trip to Jerusalem. He went missing for a few days. They assumed he was with family members and they, they went back. And where did they find him? They found him in the temple courts, which was the place of prayer for all nations. And he says to them, I, I had to be in my father's house. I just had, there was something in him. He had to be in father's house. And later in his life, once or possibly twice as an adult, he, he pushed tables over and got rid of the traders and caused a, a big hoo-ha because he wanted there to be space for prayer for all nations to pray for all the nations and that all nations coming to Jerusalem could pray. Prayer was a big thing to Jesus. We read, uh, in, there's another chapter in chapter 4, which is like a day in the life of Jesus. And um, it's interesting there. Begins teaching in the synagogue and they were amazed at his teaching because he had, he had authority, not like the scribes who just quoted other people. He had authority in himself and he did a full preach and, and, and it's a lie preachers like to tell themselves that when they've preached, that equals a day's work. So you'd have thought Jesus would then go home, have dinner and put his feet up. But, but no, he didn't. Then in the middle of, of the, the, the morning, there was a demoniac who started disrupting someone troubled by demonic forces. And he sets that guy free, which must have taken some spiritual energy from him. And then he thinks, well, at least I can have my lunch now. But he, he goes back to Simon Peter's house. But Simon Peter's mother-in-law's got a fever. So he has to deal with that first. So he prays for her and uh, she gets better, which is a good thing. Because then it's the next thing is she's serving them dinner, which is great. So they, they just about have dinner. And then it says there's a huge crowd outside the house. And he spends the, he the, the evening doing a sort of healing mission praying for the sick on the streets. and That's a busy day. I don't know if you could imagine yourself into that kind of day. It's draining. It's busy. And do you know what happens the next morning at daybreak? 
the next morning at daybreak, if it was me, it would be, so he took a day off, or so he had a lie-in, or, or something like that. But, but we read in, uh, in uh, 4 verse 32, the next morning at daybreak, he went out to a solitary place to pray. It was like, this has been so busy, I need to pray. I need to recharge my batteries, not just physically, but spiritually. I need to just renew this relationship with my father. I need to know the next steps. So it was his habit. That's why one day Jesus was praying was just what he did. In chapter 6, we read uh, that when Jesus needed a team, he went out into the hills to pray. Not everybody prays in a sort of holy position. Some people need to, to walk and see nature. And Jesus went into the hills and spent the whole night praying to God. And in the morning, then he made his decision. Good to make decisions in a prayerful way. Then he chose his 12 disciples and called them apostles because he wanted to send them out. Later on, right at the end of his life, just as he's approaching the cross, what do we find him doing in the Garden of Gethsemane? He's saying to his disciples, for goodness sake, did you have to go to sleep? Couldn't you just pray for me just one hour? And he's praying to God, saying, God, if it's possible, could, this, could the cross, this cup you set for me to drink, could it pass from me? But, but not what you, I want, what you want, Father. So it was his habit through life, just in doing life, to pray. It was deeply attractive, his prayer life as well. I don't know what you think of as, as praying. You know, some, I think often it's sort of think, all this life, and now I've got to pray as well. Ooh. <laughs> it's sort of another thing to a long to-do list. Oh, all of that and prayer. Oh, no, but there was something about Jesus' prayer life that was actually deeply attractive. It was a consistent habit, yes, but it was also deeply attractive. They're, they're hearing Jesus pray, and there's something about the way he's praying that they think, oh, 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 could we do that, please? That's thrilling, isn't it? There's something about the way Jesus prays. Oh, oh, could we get in on this? I so love that kind of relationship you've got. I love the way you do it. Can you help us to have that as well? That's, isn't that a great thing? They're coming to him saying, teach us to pray. I know John the Baptist had a go at it with his followers, but we, we, we really want to do it like you do it. Could you introduce us to that? They, they want to connect with God as Jesus did. That's a great thing, isn't it? That's, a, that's a, an amazing possibility if you think about it, that Jesus encourages them to connect with Heavenly Father in the same way he did, although we're not the sons of God. But he's saying, hey, you can have this too, and this is, this is how you can do it. It's in that context Jesus taught them what, what we call nowadays the Lord's Prayer. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. See, <coughs> Hello, got a visitor. That's nice. My grandson come to see me. How lovely. Prayer is acknowledging you can't do life on your own. In essence, at the very beginning of it, it's saying to the God who made you, God, I can't do life on my own. I want to involve you in it. I don't know whether we've all reached that place, said was great this morning so he sort of preached my sermon for me much shorter well done he, he he's just i can't do life on my own why do you pray well because you can't do life on your own because he's god and you're not 
because you're needy and he has the ability to help you with all your needs. That's why you pray. So in the next few weeks, we're looking at your kingdom come, and I've been asked to apply it particularly to in me. Your kingdom come to, to me as an individual, to you as an individual kingdom. So I've got sort of three main points, <coughs> which I hope will help us, challenge us, uh, and lead us. Uh, and the first is that Jesus insists we should be connected to a father. Connected to a father. Now, you can get, you can get too bothered about the way people pray. Uh, 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 you know, you can just, you can get too, too fussy, too, too theological. You can stone me later if that's heresy. But you, you can be too bothered because God is God. He's father, he's son, he's Holy Spirit, he's one, but he's three. Anyone that can understand that and really understand that is probably lying. It's a mystery. It's a wonderful thing, but it's a mystery. God is one, but he's three. So if you pray to God, you're praying to God. I, I know that, but Jesus himself taught us to pray to our Father. So the, the, there's something in praying to our Father that's important. And, and his work on the cross was actually all about, as we'll see, all about helping us get to a relationship with a heavenly Father. It's his work that enables us to do that. So don't be too worried about it, but we are connected, to be connected to a heavenly Father. Our Father in heaven, may your kingdom come. You know, prayer flows most easily when you know you're adopted through Christ. Prayer flows most easily when you know you're adopted through Christ. Now, I, I, I want to turn to Ephesians 1 verse uh, something, 4 or 5. And it's a dangerous thing for me to do that because if I'm not careful, I, this is my favorite passage in the Bible if you're allowed to have one. And uh, I've got to be careful not to preach on all of it. But look at Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5. This is in the middle of Paul's incredibly theological, one-sentence, very long prayer. And he says this, For he, that's um, the Father, the Father chose us in him, that's in Jesus, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Well, that's mind-blowing for a start, isn't it? Anyone, I mean, this is another thing that no one understands, but somehow in the mind of the Father, he connected you and Jesus Christ before the world began. That's, that's not something you should philosophize about, although people have written incredibly thick books about it. Intelligent, not thick, but in, intelligently very wide, long books about it. But the point that Paul's making is, this isn't something to philosophize about. It's something to get down on your knees and worship God for. It's something to wonder about, not, not argue about. God chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. That's, that's stunning, isn't it? That, that somehow God wanted you to be a son through Jesus Christ. The work of Jesus Christ on the cross was to deal with all the stuff that stops you and father relating as a child and a father. Got rid of all the stuff. You know, when there's an adoption process, there's an opportunity to say, that, sorry, that, that adoption shouldn't work. They're incompatible. 
you can make, bring up legal objections. Jesus dealt with every legal objection, mainly and chiefly your sin. Can you be the child of a holy father, a mighty, wonderful, eternal, almighty God? Well, of course not. I'm, I sin, I do wrong, I'm pretty rubbish at this, I'm not very good at that, I fail at that, I say I'll do this and then I don't. Oh no, well I object to that. No, it's all been dealt with at the cross. He's paid all the price, got rid of all the objections so that you, through Christ, can be adopted into sonship. Isn't that amazing? Prayer works best when you know you are a child of a heavenly father. We get the same thing. I just want to refer quickly to Romans 8 verse 15. (coughs) This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He says, The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Now, adoption to sonship is a a technical term in, in Greek. That's why, incidentally, why it doesn't say daughtership. In our culture, sons and daughters can inherit equally but in that culture only the sons got the dosh so it was very important for these early believers to be seen as sons so in our culture it doesn't make any any difference but it was a technical term adoption to sonship meant when when the father died you inherited you got everything he wanted to give you so he's saying here hey hey this holy spirit brings about you becoming a child of your heavenly father brings about a position where you're able to receive everything the father wants to give to you. And, by, and that same spirit does something internally. It's not just sort of some philosophical, philosophical idea. It's actually that spirit inside you calls out Abba, which means my, my dearest dad, my dearest father. It's a term of intimacy. See, I don't know if you could imagine being a slave. Most of us would find it hard, but imagine if you can. Being a slave in a, Roman, a wealthy Roman's household. You're, you're a young boy, you're the son of a slave, so you're a slave too. And you live in fear because the boss can get rid of you, he can kill you, he can, you're owned by him. You can, so you spend your life in fear, you don't want to displease him. You want to put, oh, oh, better do this, better do that. Has the dusting been done? Oh, it's, oh, he's calling me, quick, don't be late. You live in fear. Imagine if that... that Man, that wealthy person then said, no, I I want to take your child and I want to adopt him. I I, I love him and I'm going to give him this technical term. I'm going to give him the full rights of sonship. And when I pass on, I'm going to give him everything. Can you imagine how different that would be? You'd skip through the house. Father, good to see you. Can I have some pocket money? It'd be so different, wouldn't it? And he's saying, hey, when you believed in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God wants to work in you in such a way that, that you know in your, wherever your knower is located, that you know, hey, I'm a child of a loving, heavenly Father. That makes all the difference when you come to pray. Because you're not coming to, oh, dear God, I haven't done very well this week. Oh, dear God, I'm not even sure if I can go to church. Oh, dear God, if they knew next door what I'd, I'd, the person sitting down the road knew what I'd thought this morning. Oh, no, it's not like that. You can bring all of that to him and come and talk to him about anything and everything because he's your father. He loves you. That's what Paul's talking about, that we connect in prayer from a position of adoption. Therefore, we can speak freely and intimately. 
We're connected to a father. And it's the Holy Spirit's role to make that real. See, this, this is a doctrine. I hope I've explained it a little bit. It's a doctrine, but actually it's an experience. The Spirit, he says here, the Spirit in, in, in our spirit, inside us, says, Abba, my dearest Father. See, I, brought, I was brought up knowing stuff about the Bible and knowing stuff about Jesus. And then eventually I came to a point where I felt so bad about my, my thoughts and, and whether I go to heaven or not that I gave my life to Jesus because I thought it was better than not. You know, heaven, hell. Okay, I go for heaven then. And so, so I did that and I meant it. But, but that's very different to the Holy Spirit witnessing in your heart. He loves me. He is my father. So I don't know where you sit with all of that, but, but my plea is if you don't know that Abba Father, then come to God and say, God, fill me with your spirit. Soak me with your spirit. Use what phrase you want. I, I, I need to know that Abba Father in my life. That's what happened. That's what he's talking about. That's why we can pray, our heavenly Father. Secondly, we're not only are we connected to a father, but we are connected to an authoritative king. He is our father. And that's the first thing that comes. But he is our father in heaven who's got a kingdom. He's a king. He's a heavenly king. So our right response to the king of kings is what, I've, what I think I've called <coughs> a kneeling of the spirit. That's a funny phrase, but what do I mean? I mean that it, you may or may not, according to your tradition, you may kneel to pray. You're allowed to hurt your knees, but you're allowed to. That's fine. Put a cushion down. Or you may stand, or you may be walking on the hills. doesn't matter. But inside, there's a position in prayer, which is that you're kneeling. You're kneeling before the king of kings. He, he remains a holy God, a mighty king. So our, our right response to the king of heaven is submission, isn't it? He's, he's king, I'm not. Your will be done. What, what are you saying when, when you say your will be done is you're saying not my will be done. Or change my will so it's the same as yours. That, you see, what, that's what we're praying. We're saying, Lord, Lord, shape and mold my will so it's the same as yours and then do that will. Your will be done. How can I serve you? That's what we'd say. I mean, if, if Meghan and Harry popped in this morning, or if Her Majesty popped in, there'd be, there, there'd be a rush to see who could get them a cup of mint tea first. There would, wouldn't there? You'd, you'd be thinking, oh no, all the decent biscuits have gone. There's only those ones left. Oh, let's, let's scrabble in the box. Let's, let's, how can we serve him the best we can? Your will be done. What, what would you like him? A bourbon, certainly. I'll nip down the co-op. You would, wouldn't you? You'd, that's, and that's that kind of attitude. He's our loving Heavenly Father, but he's the King of Kings. We want to give him of our best. How may I serve you? Our Father is the King of Kings. And yet at the same time, the King of Kings is our Father. So we, have to, we, have, we hold both extremes. Let's be extremists both ways. He's holy and holy, king of kings, awesome and mighty. And yet at the same time, he's our loving heavenly father who invites us into his presence. That's a balanced Christian, someone that holds all extremes. See, he, 
because he is both an authoritative king and a loving heavenly father, we can bring him anything and everything. You can talk to him about anything and everything. Because nothing is too big for him, he's almighty God. Nothing is too small for him because he really loves you. You know, I, we're going through it all again because, you know, with um, young grandchildren, they'll, they'll come and say something really big and important or they'll come and show you, you know, a stone. You think, wow, yeah, that's a lovely stone. That's, that's the best stone you've ever brought me. But, 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 why? but you don't get bored with that. Why don't you get bored with that? Because, because you love the fact that they're showing you something. You, you love the relationship. That, that's how it is with our Heavenly Father. You can bring him the big stuff. Oh, I'm really worried about this and, and that's not working out and I really need that and, and there's this thing we can't do and we need, you know, if we could have 50,000 uh, in the coming weeks for the granary, that would be lovely, Lord. You can bring him the big stuff, but at the same time you can say, oh, Lord, I love that snowdrop. Well made. You can bring, you can bring that and, Lord, I'd like a car parking space and, oh, my back hurts this morning. You can bring him all of that. That's wonderful, isn't it? You don't look as if you think it is, but I, I think it is anyway. Thank you. We're connected to a father, but we're also connected to an authoritative king. And thirdly, we're praying that heaven's will be done on earth. Now, that's a whole seminar in itself. People have written books just about that. But in brief, Jesus began a new kingdom. It, it was been spoken about all through the Old Testament. There's a king coming, there's a king coming. And then Jesus appeared and he was always seeing things like the kingdom of heaven's at hand. You think, ooh, where is it? And what was he, he was saying was, hey, you can reach out and touch it now. It's begun. He, he'd say, hey, the kingdom of heaven's among you. Is it? Yeah, it's here. It's, it's among you. Look, look, there's a person healed there. Oh, look, there's 120 gallons of red wine made out of water. Oh, wow. Something has begun. And John, last week, probably on the uh, <coughs> website now, did a great talk about when the kingdom fully comes, when the kingdoms of this world are, and, and this earth are filled with the glory of God, when there's no more crying, no more mourning, no more death, no more sadness, because all of that's passed away. That was exciting. I felt fed by that. It was great. But So Jesus has begun a new kingdom. One day it will fully come, and we live in the middle bit. We live in a day when we pray, Lord, may your will be done. May your kingdom come more. Yeah? May your heavenly, fatherly kingdom come. It's, it's now, it's begun, it's increasing. Because the Bible says of the increase of his kingdom, there'll be no end. But, it, but it's not fully here yet. So we're praying for the more. Show us more of your kingdom. Give us more demonstrations of your power coming to earth. May heaven be expressed more in our relationships, more in our neighborhoods, more in the nations, more in me and in you. That's what we're praying for an increase of his heavenly, fatherly kingdom amongst us. Now, I've been asked to apply that, not much time left, <coughs> to us individually. So here's... Here's three questions you can ask yourself. Here's the first one. Are you enjoying your sonship or your daughtership? You know what I mean. Are you enjoying your sonship? Maybe 
that you identify with what Seb, Seb said. You run away for a bit. You can run back and know his hug. He has a party for returners. Are you enjoying your sonship? If you're not enjoying your sonship, then ask God, God, give me more of your spirit. Give, give me that cry in my heart, that Abba Father. Give me that sense of being able to talk to you about anything and everything. Make some space to enjoy your relationship with the Father. His second question. Are you submitting to him as heavenly king? Put it, put it this way. If you were a car who's driving... I know it's a silly illustration, but uh, who's, who's in charge of your life, really? Who's, who's in charge? Is, is, is a sovereign king in charge of your life? Is he, is he able to say, even if you're grabbing hold of the wheel, is he able to say, take a left? Oh, slow down. Oh, pause, there's a light. Careful, turn right. Oh, no, stop. Oh, go back, turn around. There's someone that needs help there. Who's in charge of your life? Are you submitting to him? as heavenly king. And thirdly, what big asks are you bringing? Since you're coming to a king, there was an old hymn that used to say, since you're coming to a king, large petitions with you bring. I know we don't talk like that anymore, but it rhymes, so I thought I'd say it. (laughs) Since you're coming to a king, large petitions with you bring. What's he saying? He's a big God, bring a big ask. He's a big God. Bring a big ask that heaven's will be expressed on earth. Amen? Amen. I'd like to just pray. And it's a bit of an exercise in a way. But I want to pray about us saying to God, our heavenly Father, your will be done. And um, the way I, way I sometimes do this <clears throat> uh, is, is I think about all the roles I've got. I don't, I don't mean job titles and all that stuff. I, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm a dad. I'm, I'm a husband. I'm a grandparent now as well. I'm, I'm, my mum and dad have been with the Lord, but many of us are kids. We've got parents around. Most of us are either students or employees. And, and I, I like to think of those roles and say, God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. And so I just want to, let's just bow our heads and pray. And um, <clears throat> mums and dads, you might want to pray this as I pray it. Father, we're parents and we thank you that we can talk to you about all the trials of that. The difficulties of disciplining our kids, loving our kids, guiding them through exams. Lord, we, we often fail, but we ask you that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. Lord, where the things you don't want us to be doing as parents, we ask you that you'd speak to us. We ask that you give us good advisors. We'd ask for your help. And if there's anything you want us to do, then uh, please show us. There's some way we can be better parents to our children. Please show us. May your kingdom come. Most of us are kids. So sometimes I pray like like this, or used to when my parents were alive. Lord, thank you for my parents. Some of us would struggle with that one because maybe we didn't have the best parents in the world. 
but the Bible tells us to honour them anyway. So, God, we thank you that we have parents. Will you teach us how to honour them? But what does that look like for us? Show us your will. Show us if there's something we need to do, Lord, if we need to call, if we need to write, if we need to thank them. May your kingdom come and your will be done. And Lord, most of us are students or employers, so we say, thank you, Father, we can bring all of this stuff to you. We ask you for the relationships we form at school or at work, that your kingdom would come, that you would help us to have great conversations, give us divine appointments, help us with what we talk about, help us to stay pure, Lord. Help us in the things we won't talk about as well, God, that that something of you would come about. Help us when we have to do tough things at work, to do them well. God, help us. Help us with particular challenges that we face this time in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a bit of a sort of example prayer. I, I, I quite often, I know this is weird, okay, but, you know, like you, I am weird. Um, so, so, but but I, I go swimming twice a week. I only do that because I've got, I've got asthma and it helps me asthma. So I go swimming twice a week. But actually, I find swimming a bit boring, if I'm honest. So I go to and fro, and I quite often pray the Lord's Prayer swimming too, because because you're on your own, aren't you? And, nowhere, and everyone's going <gasps> and putting their heads underwater, so it doesn't matter. So I, you know, I can go several lengths. I have to stop at the end because I get out of breath. But I go several lengths. Just, just praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then, I, and then I pray for God's, what's it look like for God's kingdom to come? Well, maybe there'll be more, more mornings like this morning. Maybe, maybe we see more people healed as we pray for them at communion. And I, I let my imagination go off with the Lord. And I, and I pray that, and, and, it, and it helps the boredom of swimming to and fro. But also, I, I just find it's, it's really good. I can, I can do three lengths just on our Father. It's great. Anyway, you don't have to do that. But I'm just saying, prayer is not an additional duty on top of the rest of life. Think, oh no, it's a guilt trip. I've got all this stuff and now I'm supposed to pray as well. Maybe I'll give up sleeping. No, it's not like that at all. Prayer is what you do in the middle of your life. Prayer is what you do. It's the warp and woof. It's the everyday. It's, It's God, I can't do life without you so will your kingdom come because I need your kingly help and will your fatherly kingdom come and your will be done on earth so I hope that's been a useful introduction we're meeting those who can make it um, Tuesday evening